Hi. Hello. We're doing this again. We are doing this again. I it's weird this time. Yeah. I was gonna do you say it's not weird this time? I said it's not as weird this time. Fair enough. Because I was gonna say it's still pretty pretty weird. Um say something again? Say something again? Okay, fair. Your voice is a little like there's like some I don't know what the word is. Feedback. Mm. I think that's the thing. Here, let me let me adapt here. One moment. Is that working? Yeah. Did you transform into a mic? Did I what? Did you transform into a mic? It sounded like uh, transform. It was like. Uh, <laughs> I took my headphones out. Uh, simpler solution. Yes. So if you notice, I didn't start with any episode talk or I didn't even say idiot mystic, but now I did because it seems like that's a whole it's like some form of conditioning. Like, at the sake of sounding almost insane, because obviously a title of something is just like a labeling format so you know what it is. But even that, it seems like being forced to speak about a certain thing within the first few seconds of recording something is... Like, it bothers me. Like, I don't want to do what I'm su- they're saying to do, but I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, does... I mean... <laughs> does anybody have to do, th- like, what they say you have to do? I mean, I feel like anybody who is, like, listening to this know what what they're listening to. Right, so then what part of me so worried about not following convention like how deep does it go that no matter how weird and different i get i'm still worried about diverging from convention like it makes no sense to me yeah no definitely i mean i probably wouldn't like be all like hello welcome to my podcast and here is what we will be talking about today because who needs that kind of expectation set up? Yeah, because I'm just like, again, in the beginning, I was thinking, oh, I'll just start speaking. Then, well, I'm just going to use the word people so no one feels specifically called out. But a lot of people were asking me questions about the podcast that they didn't realize, but it was questioning the very nature of it. Like, like, hey, why are your episode titles so, like, random? Or... So what's, why would people listen to your podcast? Like, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, I don't know why people would listen to my podcast. I actually don't know. Like, why am I, I don't know. It was a weird question to be asked. Who says you're doing it for anybody else? Exactly. And then the question comes up, well, then why are you recording it? Like, well, it's pretty much the only way to like force someone I know 
and if force is a very strong word, but to, I guess, create the circumstances where we just talk one-on-one and it's, and we're not circumstantially put in that, like we're not put together by, that was weird because we're trying to create variables. So then maybe that's part of the variables, but I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, it just seems like, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Well, I mean, I feel like in any sense of the term, it's just another creative outlet and anybody's creative outlet is just for themselves, whether they decide to share it or not. That's, it's so nice to hear. I feel like it's weird. I'm getting some type of, maybe this is my therapy session. (laughs) Cause it, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like feeling weird, but I'm feeling more lately like I would say I'm feeling closer to how I did when I was actively competing and fighting than I've ever felt before but I don't do any type of confrontation throughout the day at all but it feels very like um like if I tell someone if someone says oh hey my my aunt is a is an a-hole she said this to me I'm like, well, you know, your aunt's really bad, but also something must have happened to your aunt to make her say this. And then the person is like, it gets usually confrontational because I'm defending someone who's wronging someone else or something like that. That's just one example. But I noticed that like, there's some kind of like an air of uh not tension but like aggression because now i'm like oh i just want to help people i'm just saying nice things hello love each other and then someone's like well actually uh you're not supposed to love everyone because some people if you love them you can go to hell i'm like wait wait what like people interject in what i'm saying in such a crazy way that i don't now i feel very a little more amped up than i should i think yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just some people holding on to their own negative beliefs. Yes. Thanks for saying it in one sentence. <laughs> and, but it's like by saying, so even now, by saying negative beliefs, if someone's like, wait, you're saying my belief is negative? Like, I feel like no belief is negative except the ones that outwardly target other other organic life like like what if some um religious doctrine said crickets are evil like they'll all go to hell and if you touch a cricket you'll also go to hell i feel like people will start stomping them out like all the crickets would be dead right and that that would inherently be like a negative belief and like it goes to say that any any belief that basically says well I believe you can't do it, so not only do I not do it, but you can't do it either is kind of a negative belief. Right. It's That's that's a good way to put it. Almost like if it extends outside of your own self, then it seems to be some type of oppression in disguised in a belief. Right. Like, we we cannot control the actions of others and any belief that kind of makes you think it's your duty to we probably could leave on the side yeah it's it's interesting that we're talking about this because i'm noticing that 
so peep uh this is a good way to put it you brought up something really weird for me because i noticed this in people who i'm talking to about let's say i don't have i'm coming to them from a peer level or a, we're just complete equals and i'm just discussing something with them there are two types of people some that receive and i obviously there're more than that but just in my responses i'm only getting two kinds and one is someone who receives my idea and they're like oh you have a desire to express yourself in this way i i hear you and it sounds intriguing or oh that doesn't sound like something i'm into but i get it like i'm listening and then the second kind of person is someone who immediately as soon as my sentence is done like say i'm like oh i'm going to paint this bucket purple as soon as i'm done with the word purple they say are you sure isn't purple a bit crazy for a bucket like are you sure you want to paint it purple and it seems like the thing you're saying some i don't know where the connection is but there's a connectivity between the people who are trying to control other people and also the people who are providing constant modification or alteration based feedback right i mean i feel like i feel like some people were brought up in a way where their natural tendency is to oppose you know to oppose like opposites or oppose as in modify in in any sense really i mean it can it can kind of go from just disagreeing with someone because they have the opportunity to or disagreeing because it goes against their personal beliefs whatever you want to label it as so like is this an example or would people who argue for fun be an example of this like who enjoy getting into debates yeah probably i mean who <laughs> this might be a personal opinion but like who really enjoys getting to an ar into arguments like i feel like the type of person who in one way or another like gets off on arguing with people and proving a point like that kind of a i guess um atmosphere of you know just uh oh what's the word i'm looking for i guess you could say like an an atmosphere of opposite opposition i guess i don't know i had a word and it kind of just like left me that's that sounded like a very emotional way for the word to not be there like i <laughs> I wish it hadn't left. I wish it could have just like gone on a break or like put the phone on. Anyway, bad joke, but it hurt me to hear the word. But I get what you're saying. It's almost like I guess I understand sometimes if I say something and people hear it and they're worried about me getting hurt. So they're like, "Oh, are you sure you want to do this? It could you could get hurt." That I understand. But like the there's this other idea that i guess i don't even know where it comes from because the way you said like who really likes to argue or who people who get off on it it seems like the people who do there's like a deeper issue going on like they need to get their reins on something else in their life so arguing with you is an easier alternative than that but then it confuses me because some of those people if i'm able to stay graceful during the argument they actually see that someone can do that 
but then most of the time I'm not able to when someone is engaging in that insane like aggressive way right right I yeah, think I definitely... oh go for it no I don't know I was just gonna say I definitely think there's just like a very specific group of people who in one way or another feel the need to control things that they're not supposed to be able to control. That's true. I guess it's so weird to say it out loud and to like know it, like live life knowing that there's someone out there that feels like they should control my actions or limit them at least if I were to get like too crazy. Right. I mean that that goes for a lot of people a lot of people i mean currently are living in a way where their actions and their lives and their choices are uh at the hands of people who have no idea what they're talking about yes and we could like if you want to like mention anything specific feel free to but it seems like whichever issue we pick the control group is always the same people yeah, that's exactly it. Um, at the end of the day, there's like, because yeah, like if we do want to get into specifics, I mean, anything from women's rights to trans and gay rights to just poor people in general at this point, like you can pick any minority group and they are all targeted by the same uh, hierarchy, if you want to say. Yeah, no, I I think that's a good way to put it. And then when you said minority, there's obviously those angry, mathematically minded people who are going to be like, actually, that's not the minority. There's a lot of you guys now. But Right. It's like, that's not that's not what makes a minority group a minority group. Yes, because if technically exactly the way you said it just now, physical minority doesn't make someone a minority because if that was the case then the world wouldn't be the way it is and just whatever group there were the most of would just take over the earth right exactly invade the entire planet but it seems like that's not happening so then there would be something other than volume determining disenfranchise i don't know if disenfranchisement is a word but i guess the scale of minority or or systematic oppression. I guess I don't know what the right word to use is. Because I, I had to burp, sorry, excuse me. Um, so it seems like by talking like you're part of a minority or I am, it makes, it sounds like we're kind of virtue signaling or trying to seem like trying to sway things. So in this case, I'm not even thinking that. I'm more so wondering, like like how you said, women's rights, gay and trans rights, uh, to just general, like, poor people rights. And if we look at it even from a, I guess, I don't know what perspective we're looking at it from, but it seems like the people, like, this isn't, we're not talking about white privilege here or a very specific ethnic group or some kind of polarizing accusation as to who the perpetrators of the this thing are because i feel like there are other like it's like uh 
it goes beyond race or ethnicity or something like that. There's like a greater, like a spiritual thing going on as opposed to a purely like a company of old guys who are ruining everything. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I can tell you it all comes down to the patriarchy and the people who enable it, but Well, no, it is. that, I agree with that. I, but then once we look at the patriarchy on a deeper level, like their home lives and the last hundred or 200 years, or even further than that, they seem to be, it's not just a, it's not just like a bunch of super strong barbarians that we're dealing with like a more cunning, subversive type of manipulator. Like, they don't necessarily oppress you in a way where you even realize you're being oppressed immediately. Right. Yeah, So, that's, like, that's very well put. so if I say, like, a lot of people, when I talk about it, they're like, oh, so you're saying, like, all old white men? I'm like, exactly. So I saw that you would go this way with my argument, so I didn't say that. I'm just saying there's, like, uh, I guess even the... the change in people accepting that letting babies cry it out is not good anymore. Like for sure, it's never been good. And it was just madness and led to like severe mental illness and angry babies and angry adults who commit horrible atrocities against other angry adults. Like it seems like that is also rooted in patriarchy, but those guys who caused this issue like put your babies down don't love them they didn't know that they were making their own future harder they were trying Right. to make like there's some kind of missing element in the whole and when i'm pointing the finger at my oppressors or my manipulators i feel that there's like a non there's some part of what they're doing that necessarily doesn't get said publicly but it seems like a greater like more nefarious thing That isn't a conspiracy to kill everyone, just something else. I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like that can be said for a lot of different things. Um, I feel like, and I, I feel like maybe I said this uh, last time, but I feel like um, our society just kind of like sets us up to endure these traumas and these conflicts and these negative impacts in our life that not all of us have the ability to you know be like okay well this is happening to me it doesn't have to like become me you know I feel like not everybody has it in their mind to not let it kind of control them basically I don't even know if that really made sense <laughs> No, that definite because when you're saying, when you said it control them, you're it sounded like you were just referring to trauma, but in this case, the trauma is the societal device for, like, like I guess making a subservient population. Like we're all so tired, and I don't, I wouldn't say everyone's tired, but there is a reason energy drinks are a thing, like. it it all it ties in together very nicely to support the thing that you're saying Right. Yeah. We're all looking for fuel to just keep going through this weird capitalistic hell that like none of us really chose, but not all of us know how to get out of. i think the way you said it is really like it 
I almost just wanted to stay quiet because it it sounds sometimes if I like when I say stuff like that, obviously we're at different ages. Um, so I'm part of like, I guess you're a Gen Zer, I'm a millennial, right? Technically. Eh, eh, I don't know. I, I, I accept the debate on that because um, as somebody who's born... Um, at the end of the 90s, I'm like the first of the last 90s babies, as I like to put it, because um, I was born in January of 99. But I grew up in a very early 90s household. Like my family was, as somebody would say, like behind the times. And even just between like me and my younger sister, who's only a couple years younger than me, there's a generational gap there. Um, so I prefer the term zillennial. I'm okay. like too young to be a millennial but i'm a little too old to be a gen zer okay fair enough i accept your zillennialism and moving forth with this assumption i feel like there's this idea that the younger a person is or actually the younger generation they're a part of the more acceptable it is for them to seem out of sorts or emotionally uh, uh, expressive so like for me when I say something to someone like some like we just said like oh um, like life is pretty traumatic and you're set up to pretty much like it's the society is set up in a way for you to endure the traumas at my where I'm at age-wise societally like 31 when I'm talking to other guys my age they get they get unnerved because they assume that me talking about my emotional state of being is a sign of being unhinged because only teenagers and people who are unhinged talk about their feelings or babies. Right. Which is another one of those weird societal things that has fucked us all. So in your case, yeah, I agree. So you're, when you talk about stuff, it's almost like, I need that, whereas in, in prior times, people would use older people to back them up, let's say, like someone's like, hey, I need like a, a veteran of this subject or someone who's more experienced in it to validate my point of view. But it seems like nowadays, if it's like having so many young, expressive people exist, it reminds people that the feelings exist in all humans. Like they haven't just popped up in Gen Z. Like Gen Z isn't the first generation to have complex inner dialogue. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so. no, definitely. And that's honestly like, um, I can even go as far as to say that's actually a lot of the reason why I'm so expressive about like the things that I go through and my physical and emotional like wounds, as you say, um, you know, growing up with, you know, my, my mom's going to be like what 50 next year. Um, so growing up with that, even older generation didn't talk about feelings like, my my family specifically um we don't talk we don't talk about like how we're feeling or how a situation makes us feel or what we're going through internally we talk about the situation we talk about what happened we talk about what's going to happen but it's never been um an energy of being open about those emotions and those feelings which you know of course led me to starting therapy at a really really young age 
and having that kind of negative um, thought of, okay, well, my parents won't listen to me, but they'll pay somebody to listen to me. Um, and eventually I learned to accept that it wasn't even really their fault because like their parents didn't talk about emotions either. You know, nobody's been able to freely talk about their feelings without it being a sign of, like you said, being unhinged or being mentally ill or um, needing some kind of specific help that's out of my hands, not like my hands, but whoever's dealing with this person who's talking about their feelings. That's kind of the energy that's been put out. Yeah, no, I, that, it's crazy to hear you say that because I feel like since I've, um, obviously the last 10 years living in the U.S., I've met more people who, who say stuff like you're saying, like they, their parents didn't want to talk about their feelings. So they went to a therapist and then the person who's talking about their parents also realizes after they're given the tools to talk that their parents don't have the tools to communicate. Right. And, and the weird thing is in, in Pakistan, I feel like mental health is now obviously catching up to the Western world because we take cues from like whatever, pharmaceutical companies pumping the most money into one thing uh, the developing world's medical industry seems to just be like okay we can make this hair cheaper so let's we'll play your game too so with opioids or whatever it is they just seem to proliferate wherever in the world based on western medicine so anyway right. sorry i i don't know why i'm ranting so much but it just feels like my I never spoke about my feelings and no one I knew ever spoke about their feelings, but it was almost as though not talking about them also created, uh, there was, I wouldn't say it's intentional, but there's misinformation about what a human really is. Like I didn't know that the majority of everyone's thoughts all day are their feelings. I assumed that some people think, oh, I want to do this because this is what I want to do. And then, but the truth is everyone's entire day is driven by how they feel. And as kids, we're not told that if you don't feel happy when you wake up one day, you won't do anything. And you keep not doing anything till you feel happy again. No one tells you that. So then when you fall into a not happy thing, it, which is very, I'm simplifying it a lot, but I feel like for Xander, like, um, or any any kid i feel like i'd want the kid to know that humans are feeling based organisms not something else right we're not mechanical machines just functioning on processes and algorithms and what makes sense because it doesn't always make sense yeah it almost never makes like not playing for me i still don't like as a kid i would not want to not play but now as an adult I don't understand how all these adults don't play. Like when I say that, I don't mean like get super like wasted or do some kind of frivolous, like social convention that hurts you, which is fine if you want to get wasted. But I just mean the idea of wanting to have fun is not valid unless you've worked a lot. So they're like, Oh, well, why do you want to have so much fun? Like, did you work a lot this week? Did you, are you tired? Like, why do you want to relax so bad? I don't know. It just seems like my primary directive is to have fun because I'm a human. So why would I want to not have fun? Right. 
And when I say fun, I mean anything fulfilling. Like, this is fun for me. Even though we're talking about weird, serious stuff, it's actually enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that goes into, like, a lot of different things, too. Because it's, like, even if I want to do nothing, that could still be, like, my idea of fun. It doesn't inherently mean that, like, I'm not feeling okay. But even if it is because I'm not feeling okay, like, isn't that kind of what the brain is doing for a reason you know like I don't know I do believe everything happens for a reason even if it doesn't make sense no that's that's good that you said that because I was even thinking of it in a very like black and white way like if you don't want to play there's a problem but of course sometimes you you're like you're right you don't want to play but I guess even that and you could I could catch the problem in myself that I was assuming that there would be a mechanical flaw or some type of neurological issue if a child doesn't want to play. Because I've even been like in myself, I'm so worried when I don't want to have fun. I'm like, oh no, what's going on? I don't feel good. Well, why do, why do I feel so bad? And it sounds like obviously a very juvenile impulse, but I'm being honest about how it feels in the moment. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's always like a very fine line between like, okay, do I just want to rest and relax and do nothing because I've done a lot? Or is something wrong? There's a lot of like internal looking and feeling out that you really have to do because I I have to I have to find that with myself all the time. Like, okay, am I sitting down watching TV and doing nothing? episode or am I genuinely just tired and need to do nothing so my body can reset you know no, exactly no I know it's funny you say depressive episode so casually and in my head if there was a version of like a red alert going off and like a ship sinking and explosions all of those things happen I'm like no cat you said you were you said you were not feeling good out loud don't someone might hear you (laughs) well I mean honestly I just I just had like a two week long depressive episode where I it took me about a week to realize I was having a depressive episode and it's just something that happens you kind of just like work with it Uh, but if you're not honest about it then people think you're just being mopey and angsty and ignoring them or whatever selfish thing people want to think yeah it's so interesting when, like, because I feel like even those people don't mean to think that. There's just so much conditioning into expecting people to behave a certain way that we don't want them to behave the way they feel like. Like, I'd rather someone behave the way I want them to than the way they feel like, which is obviously, I'm saying that out loud and it sounds messed up. I don't intentionally execute on that i just mean it seems like humans we are told that life is better when people do the things you like as opposed to do the things they like right exactly i mean um and it's something that i've noticed like we're aware of that in other people too like um like a good example i can think of right now is i have a friend who um they'll like take a while to respond to me and they'll always say sorry And I'm like, I don't know why you're apologizing. Like, we have life outside of our phones. And I've noticed that I've said it quite a few times because they've done it quite a few times. And it's like, I want to ask, like, who made you feel like you need to apologize 
for taking your time to reply to a message on your phone. Like it's, but that's not my business. So I don't ask. <laughs> yeah, no, it, but it's a whole thing because that person might even, they might not even be worried about the, uh, the length of response, but the sorry might be like, sorry, please be my friend. And it's like, wait, I wasn't going to not be your friend because you responded late. Right. Like, I'll probably end up responding late, too. I mean, I feel like people think I'm crazy because I do respond to messages pretty fast sometimes. But if I see a notification, I'm going to, like, respond to it immediately. Um, I just don't always get notifications. So it's when I receive a notification, I'll respond or whatever it may be. Uh. No, it's, it's just funny while you were saying that. I was thinking that, like, we we're talking about notif as soon as you said notification, I was thinking if someone hears this a thousand years from now, they wouldn't know what a notification was in the context we were talking about, maybe. But, sorry, what did you say? Oh, I, I, I was just agreeing. Like, yeah, no. You don't uh, have to agree with me. You can call me a poo-poo face if you want. But, no, that that makes sense. Also, I'm sorry. I think somebody's vacuuming. I don't know if no, that's a pick up, but no, it's not. It's not. It's good that your your dwelling is being cleansed by someone that is not you. So, haha, we win. I do. I do have to help later, but I. Uh... You don't have to say that out loud. You could let me live in this fantasy, but okay. What are you? Are you going to well... do the no, I'm going to help clean the laundry room. It's it's going to be so much fun. One of the, um, uh, I guess, fortunate, I want to say unfortunate, but it's a fortunate part of the deal I um, accepted. My mom was trying so hard to get me to move back home. And so I don't actually have to pay rent, but I have to help around the house. So I'll, I'll take it for now. Yes, I'll take it too. I will gladly <laughs> accept this. I think it, but I mean, I, I'm not saying your mother's offering me to live there rent-free, but. Uh, I think sometimes she might regret begging me to move back, but we're working it out. I think, do you, how would you feel like that? It, like, um, how would you feel about this statement if you were like your child self? Like your mom begging you to move back in the house, like did. I don't know. It's interesting, right? Like, I would think my parents would beg me to move back into the house when I was 10. But now, I think they would still do that. But I just like, I wondered, I think differently now than when I was a kid. Right. I feel like child me would never believe it. I, when I was young, I genuinely thought my mom couldn't wait until we left the house. But uh, I realized I was wrong. Uh... What made you think that? Oh, my mom and I, honestly, it's kind of really funny. My mom and I didn't have a very solid relationship until I was already an adult. Um, we butted heads a lot. Um, a lot of it to do with uh, she didn't quite understand the full extent of my diagnoses. And um, it's funnily enough, she went back to college um, around the same time I went to college. And she ended up doing um, a lot of research on mental health for one of her projects. And that's kind of when we started becoming a lot closer and she started understanding me better. So it genuinely wasn't until I was an adult that I had this kind of 
super positive connected relationship with my mom yeah i think that's honestly it's it's so good that you said that because i think some people would only acknowledge the frayed part of the relationship or only acknowledge the good part of the relationship but if you can let both coexist and acknowledge both of them without like there's no weight in what you're saying like it sounds like your voice was so light when you said it that like i was comfortable with the 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 duality and it's obviously not all about my comfort but i'm saying just like people other children whose parents are not understanding them right now they don't know that there can be like a sudden change right yeah no and it definitely was very sudden um and i mean even now like with her like right as the divorce happened she had asked me to move back but i decided to go to arizona first every single time i talked to her on the phone while i was in arizona she was asking me to move to kansas i mean i think that's I'm not going to say it's beautiful because I feel like there are too many people of not my exact well I don't know I just feel I don't want to call moments beautiful because guys with beards say it a lot and I'm not going to but <laughs> it's good that it just seems like I have the sake of being controversial I'm so scared to talk what is this cat why am I, I I don't know. You tell me. I don't. I li- I think it's from like growing up in Pakistan, where they have pretty like strict blasphemy laws and like public like, like I'm. This is nothing blasphemous even, but I just like, or in Thailand where they like for. I'm not saying I've ever done anything illegal in Thailand out loud, um, but the laws in Southeast Asia are very scary, and I guess living out there and doing things that other people were doing that maybe I shouldn't have done when I was a teenager. Like it's left me with like, I'm worried about actual words. Like I'm not really worried about random violence or the things that people should be worried about that occur like crimes. I'm worried about committing a crime by accident by speaking, which is bizarre. I actually totally understand that though. (laughs) I'm always worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time and like get put on like a watch list or something. (laughs) You, I mean, you have, you carry a lot of metal at all times on your person. So you should be on some kind of list. Honestly, I think about the fact that I get stopped by TSA almost every single time I fly. And I wonder how random it actually is. Like, I just like, I have really bad luck. It's like random things like with my bag or like, um, like something going off in the metal detector, um, but it's like almost every single time I fly, I've been stopped and by TSA and had to have like an extra like pat down or they had to open one of my bags or something. And and now let's think about it this way. If I had said that, people wouldn't be surprised, right? They're like, oh, yeah, you're a brown guy with a beard. Makes sense. You know, 9-11 happened. Y'all did it. You know, I'm like, OK, but but in your case, if it keeps happening how can we not think that it's not random? Like, are you, I don't know. It just seems bizarre. Like, are we actually just idiots who just think everyone's always looking at us and picking us and we're just the most important person on earth? 
it seems unlikely right I mean but like even as like a teenager I think the first time I was actually flying with the school group from Phoenix to Texas Texas and um I, I like left a water bottle in my bag and like but that's like not as big of a deal right yeah. But what happened was when they swiped my bag to run it through, like, I guess the explosive testing machine, it, like, went off. Oh, that. And so they, like, had to do a full search of my bag. They're swiping everything. They're pulling me aside. I'm in tears because, mind you, I'm, like, 15, 16. Um, this is my first time, like, flying without my parents. Um, they're talking about like taking me to a room to like strip search me. My advisor comes over to ask if everything's okay, and they tell her that if they talked that if she talks to me, they're gonna have to pull her aside too. Everybody's like freaking out, and the like kicker of it all is is like they cleaned their machine and then retested my stuff, and it passed. So like they traumatized me and threatened to strip search me over their dirty machine but ever since then i've been stopped by tsa every single time i've flown dude this is so weird that you're saying this i don't even know how to react to it because i literally i have so many other people i talk to about this and it's always the residue test like it's all i'm like what did we have on our hands like what were we doing like do we all have do interesting people have something like on our skin that goes up in the residue? Right. And it was, it was a water bottle that I had like bought at a convenience store on my way there. So it's like, did they use a cleaning solution? Was it something on my hands? Do I have like an explosive lotion? I don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. And it's, you just, it's interesting that you never see, someone who's archetypical or convent like that was the wrong word but someone who's like there's just some people you don't see being randomly searched and it really is off-putting to me as a human being like i just i just wish they'd search some and i'm not even gonna say who just some other people once in a while so it doesn't seem so targeted at least right just yeah and sense. i mean when I flew to Japan and even actually on my way there and on my way back, I got stopped for one of my medical devices. And that was even more terrifying because I couldn't communicate with them effectively. My J Japanese is so poor. So I'm like trying my hardest to explain to them that it's just like, it's just a little plastic uh, breathing tube for my asthma. I just breathe into it. It's no big deal. But um, it was just that that was definitely just random. That was just a random occurrence. But all of the stops in America have felt a little targeted. Maybe they don't like that your hair is cool colors. Well, and you know what? I, I sometimes I want to say like it's based off of, you know, the piercings and the tattoos and the hair color. But the first few times I was 15 and what 15 and 16 probably because it was flying from phoenix to texas and then flying from phoenix to new york both with my deca chapter um although the new york one was low-key my fault i like left my knee brace on forgetting that it had metal in it 
um, because I just like sprained my ACL, I couldn't take it off. So they had to do like the extra pat down and the wand search on me. But Less every other time after that, though, who knows? Wait, what did what's a Deca chapter? Oh my gosh! Um, so Deca, <laughs> Deca is the start of it all for me. Um, I did Deca all four years of high school. And it's a kind of like best described as like a business and marketing entrepreneurship class. Um, but it was also an extracurricular and you basically just competed in business marketing and entrepreneurship role plays in like competitions. And I meddled every year. I'm not going to lie. Um, I focused on ho um, hotel and restaurant management, though. It was uh, interesting. I think this foreshadowing for when this 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 podcast just started it. So, are you like thinking of owning a hotel hotel? Or are you looking for more of a? Are you gonna buy a bed and breakfast somewhere in a sleepy town? So it's actually so funny you say that. That was actually my original goal. Was very specifically a bud and breakfast. I wanted to get in on the cannabis industry so bad. And basically have, like, a medical cannabis-oriented, like, stay in all of these states that were, like, newly legalizing. Um, and then, like, a bunch of people beat me to it. And I got my first job at a hotel, and I realized I actually hated it. Yeah, it's... Well, I feel like... I feel like maybe you didn't get in on the market in the beginning because... Well, we use the word industry and it's like cannabis has been has kind of morphed in the last few years, I feel like. I don't know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't even know like lately I have this strange theory that much like uh how opioids are derived from the poppy plant or other things like this is going to be a bad example, but like alcohol from grain or grapes, it seems like there's a, a patriarchal element to what the cannabis or the hemp plant has become almost like, uh, now this is going to sound weird. Please no one be, well, everyone, I don't, who am I worried about? Okay, sorry. Um, it's like the same thing that happened to Kim Kardashian from the time she was like 10, let's say, is what seems to have happened to the cannabis plant on a, on a like macro scale through breeding and selective propagation. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. All of these designer strains and form, uh, formulated breeding and um fucking all these crazy ways people are like processing it now it's <laughs> it's definitely become a completely different kind of market and industry and you 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 talking about like um like opioids and alcohol and how they're technically plant derivatives it, it does beg the question when do we get to the point where we start making cannabis harmful by adding too much to it Right. And who is and I when I say who, it seems like I feel super comfortable pointing the finger now because I just I, I don't even say men. I'm like, oh, it's a penis haver. 
because it seems like a lot of us don't even act like say if there was a an archetype for how men act or just some behaviors that a biological male performs we all don't do the same things we all do pretty different things but it seems like even you and I do very different things like completely but it seems right. like the people who are driving everything into the same place that like this this is controversial but even from like coming from a fitness background and being involved in gyms the way that the what a positive body type is has changed is the same way cannabis has changed like certain aspects are overvalued and certain aspects are undervalued and the aspects that are overvalued lead to let's say ill health of even even the plant itself but no one really is looking at it like what well, someone probably is but i feel like if the plant is sentient in any way then forcing it to yield more is a very masculine thing it's not really like forcing it to have a better harvest it's like being almost like whipping it right do, do you feel like do you feel like that is a male trait or a mat like a toxically masculine trait to drive more performance from anything whether it's like an organic performer like a living thing or it's if it's a computer and like modding it till it's like about to explode i i feel like the act of cuz i it can go this can be said for like a lot of different industries like even the, especially like the farming and um agricultural agricultural industries it's kind of like taking more than what nature is intending to give us yes whoa to, inherently even you can even just drop masculinity at this point it's just inherently toxic but it is and always has been fueled by the the higher ups and up until recently there used to not be female higher ups you know the people who've always decided we need more we need more we need more have always been male derivative you know, um, that's not to say that because I mean, like, like I said, like there's the patriarchy and then there's the people who enable the patriarchy because power hungry people are not only male. Um, it's it's kind of an overall essence of power. And yeah, you can say that forcing um, cannabis plants to be more potent or produce more or be prettier or have more whatever it, it's going against what nature's intended for us and that can be put even into a personal like um, human level I think my mind is blown right now because I, I I know that sound I just didn't I didn't think about it as taking more than you're given. I thought I was obviously that's what's occurring, but I didn't because I, which this annoys some people, but I definitely see the earth as sentient and also not as a, as a deity. Like I don't believe it is all powerful, which in turn is how it gets hurt by us. Right. And I feel like in that, uh, 
like the feminine nature of the earth and spirituality, at least like from whatever ancient culture we nitpick and or we cherry pick from, the earth appears to be female. And I guess the way you said taking more than we're given, it's it it made me think feel almost more like the, I'm sorry I'm ranting, but the way. <laughs> The sentences are hard to put together when you make a genius point. But it seems like the taking more from the earth is actually a, a lack of consent almost. Like it's thematically the same thing. Which... Oh, no, it, it definitely is. Uh, we're supposed to coexist with nature. Nature can live just fine without us. If we were to all disappear off the face of the earth, earth would thrive we don't need uh it doesn't need us we need it and if we continue to force it to go beyond its means we're not going to have it much longer yeah no i i agree and it's it's so weird when you say the much longer people might think you're saying like oh no the earth is going to explode but obviously, there's a realistic sense of urgency. You're not saying that it's going to explode, but we can visually see things getting worse. And when people are, if we're not just referring to something like a temperature rise or some, like, it's not one thing. You can generally tell that the state of the earth is like more, it's in a chaotic period, it appears. Right. And I feel like that's, it's like, uh, it's just confusing to me because the way you said that makes me feel awkward about talking about any aspect of culture that's like that because it's all linked. Like it's all uh, related to this overwhelming desire for constant improvement and betterment of performance. Right. And I... And But then that doesn't translate to things that would help people. So, like, no one's told if if you're going to a job that, let's say, you don't necessarily like. No one's told if you work hard, you will progress at this job. So grind as hard as you can. There's, like, a sense of defeat. Like, oh, yeah, your boss is going to be a, this. You're going to be like that. But, you know, you can have beers after work. There's football. There's other stuff you can do. So you, it's okay that work sucks. And work is meant to hurt. Or some, it seems like all of these things, it's this a recurring theme, which seems to be a lack of feelings involved in matter. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, that that goes back to you know the capitalistic hell we live in and how we are kind of like forced to endure it this way. Like I can't name more than maybe three people who actually love their job and enjoy what they do. Um, and the rest of us are just slaving for a paycheck so that we can do those things we enjoy that are supposed to make working through hell feel better. But it kind of just becomes this weird, like almost like self-abusive cycle that again, we have no real choice about. And when you say self-abusive, let's say, let's say this was like, maybe, maybe you're 15 
would you feel as comfortable saying that working sucks and you don't want to do it? Or did you at some point were you convinced that every human has to toil or work in a way that they don't necessarily like so they can do things they like on the weekend? Oh, yeah, I was absolutely convinced of that up until maybe, man, I'd say probably until I finally like went to Japan and I saw how the culture of work was out there. And I realized like, this isn't this isn't healthy, this isn't normal. And like, when I came back and I got my, uh, my job in San Francisco, I was very foot on the brakes about like, I'm not going to work more than 40 hours a week. I'm not going to work more than eight hours a day. I'm taking my full hour lunch breaks and I'm not going to work through them. Like my time outside of work is far too valuable to waste any of it on work. And I wouldn't even work 40 hours a week if I didn't need it to survive. And okay, so if this is getting, if any of the questions are like too repetitive, it's because I'm trying to get more to the moment when, was there a single moment, like something you saw in Japan that made you realize that? Or was it a bunch of little things? Like what really changed? Because you said it super casually, even though like there was a bit you couldn't remember when. But I feel like for other people, this sounds like something happened to us for us to realize this. Because when you're in it, you can't feel the other way. Because you have to wake up the next morning. Right. Well, so like, for example, like in Japan, they're known for like being really hard workers and how like, you know, everybody works and works really hard and it's always at work. But the actual reality of that is they same kind of like concept that I have like they do their 40 hours a week they don't put more into work than they need to now granted there's of course the outliers there are certain people who do have certain jobs that require them to like you know doctors and lawyers and police officers or whatever you have it but like the regular person doing the regular job like they there isn't an overtime there isn't this um essence of work is more important than your life you know, they give you unlimited sick days and you get actual vacation time and you're allowed to request time off, whatever it be. And, um, you know, the rare occasion that you do work outside of your hours, it's usually something like fun or, you know, meeting where everybody's having a meal together or something. Um, and there's a really big culture of like, going to drinks and you know going out with your co-workers so that it's not just a, a work 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 kind of thing but it was really overall seeing that work-life balance that they kind of like try to enforce out there and it may be not the same in every part of Japan but that was definitely the city that I was living in that's kind of the essence that I got it's interesting to hear you say that going there as like a foreigner and then taking like that's what you took and then what we're presented here is a very rigid stereotypical cultural identity of Japan and also like a I I want to say it's like borderline racist but it's like a it's like a cultural assumption of hard work and a particular mindset and just like a weird like generalization that is when I say hair, I mean specifically in, like, I guess, 
even on like European television, it's like very specific. Like it's a very specific portrayal of a country. Right. The the harmful archetypes that are portrayed and taken as fact. Yeah, like obviously I I'm aware of like things like suicide rates or, you know, things. But I feel like when there's a generalization made, it's like, it's a bit scary because I feel like the same generalization, like I hear a lot of things about Pakistani people and I'm like, oh, I guess, okay, I guess you think that about me. And I, I don't know, it's weird that you experience something, I'm not saying overwhelmingly positive because you did mention how you had to like, act straight and other things there but it does seem like there are like they are working on their work-life balance and the government or the people in charge seem to be intervening in the wellness of their people in some way right yeah it's it's basically considered like when you're at work you're working really hard and you're doing your best but you only have to work really hard when you need to be working um i mean everybody knows that they have a very high culture of like honor and um you know doing what's expected of you but what's also expected of you is you know family and life so they kind of like do try to keep that balance and that's something that i definitely tried to take with me what's something wait now i have a weird question is there something that was culturally there that seemed like some form of conditioning like how how everyone here says um i don't know i'm trying to think of something but at, at the sake of sounding controversial controversial um yes i i did notice in their schools um and i mean my ex that i went to japan with like that's the job that he had gotten was actually teaching at the schools. And so um, we did see uh, they're very strict in the uniforms, you know, um, as, as they are portrayed in a lot of uh, shows, it really is kind of that way. They have to wear their uniforms every day. They're very specific. Everybody's dressed the same. The girls have to wear skirts. Boys have to wear pants. Um, They're only allowed like specific haircuts. Their hair color has to be dark. Um, in fact, there are some kids who, like, if they have naturally lighter brown hair, they will be asked to, like, dye it black or dark brown. Um, there's, like, very specific haircuts that are allowed. If um, a boy, you know, cuts his hair too short or not short enough, he'll actually, like, be sent out of school until it's fixed. Like, just lots of incredibly um, strict things. And there's kind of a weird... Um, like I guess military aspect to some of their like they do sports days but there's like lots of like chanting and like very specific marching routines involved and it was a little um, you could see the kind of like we have a control over you message they were trying to send Um, and you know that may that may totally be like I said controversial and like my point of view but um it was so much to the point where like on the weekends you would see students wearing their school uniforms because they didn't have any other sense of like identity. Um, they uh, There's a lot of like 
talk about how you know oh Japanese kids dress kind of weird and it's like well they really don't learn self-expression until they're already a young adult so they're kind of just jumping into it full force and in fact they take a lot of their inspiration from our media and our um our way of dress so when you take into account how much we copy off of them it's kind of just a copy of a copy in a weird cycle I honestly, the sports day thing, you have no idea how much that resonated with me. And I just drew a weird connection because in Pakistan, they do that too. And in like in India and Thailand and like a few other places, I guess different places I've lived do that. They have like a, this idea that at school you'll have a sports day. You, the classes line up in these like almost like squares, like it looks like an army formation, right? And I just realized that that is probably, and I don't know, I'll probably have to look this up, but it sounds like a product of colonialism. Right. Like, or a derivative from like Western military organization, like those parade displays. Like it's so, like, it's crazy. Like I didn't realize that they did that in Japan, but now when I think about it, just like, because it seems like Japan took so much from the British Empire, even though they weren't colonized when they were like trying to build their, uh, like during World War II, I guess a lot of the ideas of imperial Japan were like, I wouldn't even say British, but they just seemed like rooted in, in Western tradition and ideology as opposed to like what I traditionally learned, but I don't know, like, I don't know why that exists. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I couldn't even make any guesses, but I did, I did notice, like, um, how much, and I mean, I feel like this really does go for, like, every culture, though, but how much is really borrowed from other cultures. And, I mean, it goes, it goes a lot to say for um, Japan because they, they, you know, basically, um, were a product product of China and they've done everything in their power to kind of stem away from that to the point where they've come up with three different and maybe four different written languages just because of their first language, you know, basically being Chinese. Please repeat that. My brain is confused. Please continue. Um, well, <laughs> so Japan... Um, is basically mo the I, I don't want to say anything wrong because I'm not 100% you know no, it's um, fine. an expert on this but the Japan basically idiot mystic so you can say anything <laughs> um, Japan basically was just like a product branch off of China and they've um, because of all the terrible things that China did to them they've done everything in their power to erase the culture that they did take from China um, to the point where Japanese and Chinese chopsticks are completely different. Like they're the same, but they're different. Um, and um, they've come up with multiple written languages and spoken languages. They have like three or four of them um, just because their original language was basically Chinese. Dude, I feel so now I know someone's going to be like, it's not Chinese, it's Mandarin or Cantonese. But we were just... But now I'm confused because I know that 
China and Japan fought over Korea in the late 1800s. And now I just realized that Japan was basically fighting themselves in a way. And over who would influence Korea more, which is confusing. Yeah. I don't know. And I got to that point because I was trying to think of why the Imperial Japanese Empire was the way it is. But like, it just seems so contrary. I guess maybe... I, what if industrial... Because it appears that that, from the little that I know, Japan in World War II industrialized really fast. Seems like that industrialization ties in with patriarchal control in some way, but I don't fully understand it. Like, I can't claim to get it. But it always seems to, like, like the more mechanical objects that are in play it appears that the more men there are claiming that they have dominion over these objects and are the i don't know if i'm saying anything that makes sense right no yeah no i definitely get it um and uh, at the end of it um it's hard to get a full story too because uh japan and china will tell you completely different versions of the history I didn't now I'm now I'm gonna I'm going into a completely different subject, but since you said it's hard to know the history, I only recently brought up with my mother how there's a glaring absence of women from history. And she was like, What do you mean? I said, There literally are no women like the statistical number of women that existed on earth, it doesn't seem like their accounts are written anywhere or their internal dialogue and i started having a lot of anxiety about this so that's where i'm at right now yeah no that's definitely true it feels like we get like for it's almost like for every like 10 male historical figures we get one female historical figure it seems impossible almost it seems so unlikely Right. And but I mean, there's always been kind of a um, uh, what's what's a good way to put it. There's always been an atmosphere of the female voice being silenced and we can only guess how far back it's really gone. You know, who's to say that there wasn't transcripts and journals and you know whatever from female figures who that have just been burned or hidden away or you know discarded completely you know i mean i fully agree i think what you're saying is almost a fact i think you're just delivering it in a like a you're not in like we didn't trigger anything inside you right now but it's more likely that someone burnt everything or destroyed it than it is likely that women didn't think. Right. Right. I'm just like, or who's to say the fear of being labeled as hysteric or crazy or unhinged wasn't enough for it to not actually be written down. I mean, who knows how much of it was just, I mean, who knows, maybe book clubs have always existed and they just weren't always about. Yeah, no, that's it. That's what I think, like my, my intuitive hunch based on everything I've read now is that there is a large part of history that's not only hidden, but it's our job to find it. And I feel like the first place that 
obviously this is going to, I'm a trigger factory right now, but when I'm looking at Abrahamic religions, it seems like as much as I love guys and as, as, as awesome as God is super cool. Thank you for making us like I, those, what I keep reading, I find that at some point in each of these major religions, histories, the ones that the Abrahamic ones, there seems to be a shift from God having um, God being a genderless creature that's completely inhuman to it becoming an anthropomorphized type of like a sky man who has the same views as whoever the most toxic and powerful man at the time is. And I guess even talking about it now, I'm like, I'm nervous because I'm like, am I saying too much? Should I stop talking? But it seems like the more I read about early Christianity or before anyone shoots me in the head, like early, early Islam or early Judaism, this idea that that God didn't care about what the women were thinking. That's actually what is what hurts me more than the idea that even some guys kept it secret. It's more so that someone believed somewhere and put this into people's head that that these men, like let's say Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates, are the like there weren't female counterparts to them existing at the exact same time. It seems almost implausible. Right. Like, I don't know. Well, and I mean the the Bible villainizes women's from, from women from the start. You know the story of Adam and Eve. You know it's it goes to show that the idea that there's been an atmosphere of women don't have a voice and women shouldn't be trusted to have power is kind of implemented in religion. Right, but it I guess. I agree with what you're saying and what I found in that because it it bothered me and I was like I obviously can't even when some of my friends who are outwardly female or female identifying talk about this like a religion that's like dehumanizing women or like taking rights away or something I seem to have tried to go back and look at when this occurred and especially since you brought up Christianity um, I'll send you some links and but basically it's like there is a sect of Christianity called Gnostic Christianity or the Gnostics I guess and they've been around since early times like but it appears since the time of Christ and they have very conflicting with life. so like exactly what they believe that God is male and female and that and the teachings of Christ were distinctly different to the, like what, what you think. Like they sound, and I all I'd say is like, there's even allegedly like a gospel of Mary, which is like a, makes complete sense that it would exist. Like right. I don't know, like the lady, like Jesus was like literally making out with her, and we she didn't have any thoughts about him, like. Obviously, this is not correct. Like, we know what happens when someone makes out with you, let alone the son of God. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right, yeah. And who's to say, you know, that it wasn't found with all of the other writings and just hidden away? 
Right. Well, okay, this is where it gets weird. Some of them have been found, and they were found in Egypt at this place called Nag Hammadi, and they were written in this language called Coptic. And it's, there's like a Gospel of Thomas, I think, and one, and there's a Gospel of Judas too. And they're like non-canonical, but it's weird that that they're considered that because you would think that like you find something ancient and it's believable, like, of course, who else would have written it? But then it's like, they're like, well, uh, this Bible was made by the Romans and they kind of like, we kind of go with, we're going to go with this one. And it's like almost insane. Like, I don't know who thinks this is a good idea. Right. People who want to use it to get power. Yes, you said it. Well, I uh, I have so much to say now because we've gotten into Gnostic Christianity, but I'm going to probably flood you with links because I don't feel like there's any absolute truth anywhere when I share something with someone, but I feel like it's interesting to talk about this absence of females and then and then talk about God at the same time or being divine or holy or psychedelics or healing or feelings because then it's like wait possibly this hiding of the feminine perspective led to this place of no feelings and iPhone 14s that we're in Yeah, that's a very, very distinct possibility. Like, I don't know. Do you have any, I guess right now, if you had to, if someone was growing up and they're of the feminine persuasion in any way, what would you suggest they read or who do they look at to feel like it's possible for them? Like what is, or even someone who's not just, conventionally like a cis male who like eats drinks protein powder and i don't know eats elks yeah that's really where the problem lies because there really isn't many many options that in my personal opinion might be even more controversial but i feel like even those female historical figures that do exist a lot of them were just products if not other enablers of the system and the patriarchy it's hard to find somebody who was able to make their way without having to stoop to the level if you want to say it that way no it's interesting that you did say it that way because I feel like some people believe that they have to play ball or they have to be part of the system to win within it but i feel like we're learning now that once you do that you're compromising your birthright which is to be yourself right the point is we need to break the system and i don't believe the only way to do that is from the inside because once you get on the inside you're just a part of it and and you're not saying that from the out like you've you've been on the inside and so have I. So like we've tried it. It's not like we haven't shown up to work or haven't done the things that you're supposed to do. I don't know. We got to figure out how to actually like stand up and stand out without falling prey. So 
I guess that leaves us at a place where I like this dialogue this so we've been talking for 80 minutes and it's like I've been taught to feel like I'm supposed to if nothing gets accomplished in in the time that I'm talking to someone it wasn't it was a hangout but it wasn't really the best use of my time right I right. I don't are do you feel that way like have you been taught to feel that way I mean I feel like we all kind of get that kind of thought into our head and it takes different timelines for us all to learn. Like it's not all about accomplishing something, you know? So if we, let's say if like in recording this podcast, how, how do you feel right now? Like what are your feelings? I feel like it was a very good conversation and a good use of my time. And I don't know. Are you hungry right now? <laughs> no, it's already like five o'clock. It's not quite dinner time. These are so the reason I asked that is because it almost doesn't in the if we're trying to like draw out some kind of macro narrative and figure out like if we start saying words like like and subscribe and episode numbers, it seems like it really is a reminder that just talking to your friend who you want to talk to isn't good enough. So you have to dress it up because that conversation, unless it's making someone money or make pushing both of you closer to having the being more together, let's say, or being more conventionally successful, whether it's emotionally, physically, financially, if something isn't contributing directly to that, then it couldn't be good. But I feel like that's the opposite of what's happening. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. So that's why I just, is there... Do you feel itchy? <laughs> no, I feel pretty good. I think. Rant, and I don't feel itchy. I feel a little. I've been checking my posture a lot. I've been doing a lot of weird stuff, but just this interaction has value outside of space and time. Like the the thing that everyone's talking about all the time was probably watching this conversation. At the same time, there's probably like tiny particles of dog poop on our feet like there's small there's like I'm, I guess I'm trying to establish the divinity or the the equal holiness in every aspect of our being including us having this conversation that necessarily wasn't like I don't know we weren't praying I wasn't exercising your demons you weren't throwing holy water on me but but there, it does have a divine and holy value because if you were a baby and you were just on the street or if I was a baby and you saw me and you're like, hey, like, what's up, strange baby? Or just here by yourself. How would it not be okay then? Right. Why would you be a random baby on the street, though? I think that's the question. The point is that I feel like our... I feel a duty to even, I don't know if I'm even giving you space to talk, but to like keep having, keep doing this and we're going to keep telling the story 
as it's happening instead of from a place of like, okay, now we have everything under control. Now we can tell the story because the story's happening right now. Like your depressive episode was like the one we were talking about, or I was feeling bad during the podcast, or I have to go drive Lyft now. And I'm like, wait, am I supposed to have a deeply spiritual discussion with everyone? Or am I supposed to be dead silent and listen to music? Like who knows? I don't know anything, but it seems like that, in the not knowing it we don't get to talk about not knowing and it, we get washed away in the the waves of the other knowers or alleged knowers i guess i would definitely say alleged knowers because there really is never a way to truly know and like exactly as you said I, like we're telling it as it's happening because if you wait until it all makes sense then what really is the point I feel like it'll almost be too late when it finally makes sense to us. We're going to be like 57. Be like, hey, cat, cat, I get it. I get it. I finally get it. You will be right. 45. So be ready. <laughs> I don't I know. Mean, who knows? Maybe we'll go till the end of the time with it never making sense. And I think that's kind of the fun of it all. You're saying it in a very nice way right now, but it's also not fun sometimes. It's eh, Even if it's not fun in the moment, I feel like we can always look back and learn something from it. Why do you have to be right? Even I know this. It's all just like the sa- you just said the same, like I said something and then I went back on it. I was like, everything's divine. It's all holy. But yeah, I... I guess not fun is also fun in a way. I mean, if we can't look at it that look at it that way, then what really is the point? Yeah, it's pretty miserable the other way. But this yeah. It's funny I was in like I had a decent amount of pain from my stuff before the podcast and I was like contemplating calling you and asking you to postpone it and then I almost feel better from recording it. So thank you. Well, that's good. I'm glad that this conversation was able to help. And we're going to do this again because I feel like we've... I'm going to flood you with Gnostic Christianity links. So next time we can either offend everyone or maybe like open a portal and Lady Jesus comes out of it. And she's actually like, looks like Katy Perry, but black okay i think that's a good plan wait no i gave the wrong people clout i just said those names to be like to be to draw a a surprising image of what god may look like but celebrities shouldn't be the only person that your creator could look like so literally like also chewbacca and also um also the the shortest kid in your class when you were young and also the tallest kid in your class when you were young and also i said some very crazy things but i was at one point i was the shortest kid in the class were you ever the shortest kid in class um i was actually always the tallest kid in class until everybody stopped growing and then i was the shortest kid wait how did you wait you were short how tall are you now? I forget now. Um, so like I'm like five six, but I hit five six in like middle school. 
And then everybody else started getting like five seven, five eight, five nine. Most of my friends are shorter than me though, and I think I do that just to make myself feel better. But I think that that's the us fully embodying the complete range of humanity. Like I'm only friends with shorter people. Makes me feel good. Also patriarchy, but I uh, also um I also wear platform shoes, so I'm usually 5'8 when I'm out and about. How do you... Do you think this adds to the amount things fall on you? Or you fall? or um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's as much as I think. I don't know. I, I do fall quite often, but that, I don't think it's related. Because that was happening even before I started wearing platforms. I, I think... I when you said that I immediately realized why I was thinking of falling today I was I picked up Xander before he was leaving and he's like gotten so much bigger now that I was just like hugging him and I'm like okay like whatever kiss on the forehead we're watching the like some sh the Goldbergs or something I'm like okay everything's good then his mom knocks on the door and he like whenever anyone knocks on the door he gets super like excited to open it so he i put him down and he takes one step and face plants like <laughs> shot and then i open the door for his mom and I'm like xander fell and she like behind me xander's still laying there just face down it oh, was man. yeah that's actually very relatable i feel for xander he didn't get too badly hurt Unfortunately, it was just a scrape, but it was just like sometimes falling on your face is, I don't know. It, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I fall a lot. Dude, I, okay, last one. I fell onto a lift passenger. Like I was, oh. trying, to put, I was trying to put his luggage into the car and I lean over to pick the bag up and just keep going forwards. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he was not impressed at all. Like, he's like, whoa, 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 excuse me, whoa. I was like, dude, I didn't, I'm not trying to tackle you. Like, Sure, you did not get a very good tip on that one. No, but I still got five stars. Still got five stars. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was. <coughs> I, I think I shouldn't say what we talked about, but let's just say that guy did not care much for the last election because it was stolen from him so oh man so I'll, I'll leave it at that we love those conversations don't we yeah but he said they're still gonna stop this deal so i'm just saying that's what he told me and yeah i hear that quite often uh living with my parents <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> i didn't expect you to say that Oh, yeah. Have I not mentioned that my parents are uh, Republicans and very, very, very much so happy with um, our last president and not very much so with our current one? Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm super happy with the current one, but I definitely when you said you hear stop the steal a lot, it just for some reason, I just pictured you waking up like yawning, walking out the door and someone just goes, stop the steal. It's like, yep. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. There's certain quotes and letters all over my uh, my house. My parents are uh, a little crazy, I think, but that's okay. I love them. Yeah, I think I think it's honestly 
loving people who are embodying something that's contrary to you at the time is like some form of like almost like being a saint in a way like it seems religious borderline it feels like it sometimes i i respect you for your uh pilgrimage that you're paying to the land of different opinions uh, yes, I guess that's the best way to put it. Sometimes I feel like I'm just going insane. Well, th- I think that's we, you should come up with a like a structure to this pilgrimage, and maybe everyone can do it once in their lives. Just live in a way that I kind of did it, but not like my mother and I didn't really disagree that much when we lived together as as an adult because she was trying to help me get my ex to move out of the apartment so we were united front uh that's beneficial then yeah i mean i feel like i feel like at the end of the day my mom does have my back even when we disagree on things and i do have to say i've managed to change her mind on a lot of things both accidentally and by uh, force i feel like the by force was why oh, I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, she has a gay trans child who has had an abortion. She kind of had to accept a few things by force. I think, I think that sentence probably made a lot of people happy. Who, even if they never hear it, just to know that it's out there in the aether that's been spoken, and there's every part of a person is like at the sake of using a word that I have no place using because it's like I feel very you seem very proud of all of your every every aspect of your life and it makes me very happy I definitely am very proud and I definitely love forcing my family members to accept things that they disagree with yeah because it's not well you're not Maybe you are, but I'm pretty sure you're not telling your mom that she needs to be gay. I'm yeah. pretty sure. You're t- that would be an interesting shift, though, if you tried to just, like, fully convert her. You know, sometimes I, I think about asking her if she's thought about, you know, playing for the other team just because men suck. She hasn't, she hasn't had the best of luck with men, but I don't think she'd find it very funny, so I keep that joke to myself. It's... You're saving it for like when you can actually make it. So I, I'm glad that we've talked about this. So it exists. So if she ever hears this somehow, <laughs> the, jo- the joke's out there now. But yeah. I'm very bad at saying goodbyes. And we've done this twice in a row now. So I will see you next Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you for the conversation. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Also, I have a weird question. Okay. What are you going to do right after this? Like, right after? I'm going to go take a dab. But I didn't say that because I live in Kansas. Yeah, I don't... Well, aren't dabs a candy? Yeah, sure. That's exactly what I'm going to go do. Chocolate with a caramel center. Delicious. Honey. (laughs) Bye, cat. Bye.